0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, January 5th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports. I own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and I suppose we'll start with the biggest game from Sunday, specifically Michigan at Michigan State on CBS. It's America's most watched network network of stars. It was a blowout at the Breslin Center. Final score, Michigan State 87, Michigan 69, Cassius Winston, the preseason national player of the year, Finished with a career-high 32 points, 9 assists. So the Spartans have now won 7 straight games. Meantime, the Wolverines are 3-4 and in their past 7 games. Norlander, are we back on board with the idea that Michigan State is a serious national title contender?
1: I never left that board. Did you leave that board?
0: No, I never left the board, but I was like, I was looking at the edge of it. I was might, looking at the have edge left of it. That, you
1: might have left that board.
0: Uh, I don't I don't think I left that board. What I said was I think Michigan State deserved to be unranked. When I had Michigan State unranked, but it didn't mean I didn't still believe that they could get it together and become a real Final 4 threat. I didn't leave the board. I just sort of I looked at the edge of the board and I was like, I wonder if I should walk over there or not, but I
1: decided not to. All right, so we're fraternizing on the board right now together. That's what, that's what we're at. We're, on, we're we're socializing on the board. We're holding hands on the board. All right, I'll hold hands with you on that board. I'm I'm, I'm going to stick right on that board. Um, Cassius Winston, my goodness. He wasn't everything, but he was everything. Um, so much fun to watch play, and the timing uh, couldn't be better because our buddy Jeff Goodman is doing a Player of the Year straw poll again uh, for Stadium this season. I did it last season, and... He reached out on Saturday and said, I'm going to need your top 10 player of the year, and I I was like, who the hell am I going to put on this list? Uh, I haven't assembled it yet in full, but Cassius Winston for sure will be on it and will for sure be in the top five. He's just been so good as of late, Um, and the way that he and Xavier Tillman uh, in particular teamed up to help Michigan State win so dominantly was incredibly impressive. I mean, that was one of the best games of Cassius Winston's career, of course, Uh, not just the the fact that he had 32, but how he got him. Some of those shots were gorgeous. He even actually shot at 34 because they did not give him the and-one continuation late in the second half on that breakaway that he kind of just scooped up and in on the runner in the paint. Even Raftery on the call said you got to give that to him. But um, a beautiful win. Michigan State now, yeah, certainly. you know, looks like, and the Big Ten's loaded, so who knows where we're going to be two weeks from now. But yeah, right now Michigan state's playing uh, better than anyone in the league and things are just, they're clicking into place here for Michigan state. We'll see if they can maintain that, but it looks like they certainly are are set to do that. So long as Xavier Tillman continues to be that good on both ends. He had six blocks on top of being a, uh, a reliable threat inside and out on offense, and then Winston was awesome. And they got some help here and there, Aaron Henry, Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown. They all showed flashes, but story has to be Winston, and then maybe the one beat of that was Xavier Tillman being as good as he was.
0: Before we get back to Michigan State real quick on player of the year stuff, if I had to submit a ballot right now, I think it would be Vernon Carey from Duke, averaging 18.4 points, 9 rebounds per game, shooting 63% from the field, for a team that is ranked number one at Ken Palm. Vernon Carey would get my vote. Who'd get your vote?
1: Um, I think it would be Vernon Carey Jr. right now. I think that he would. Because right now he's the most important player on a team you can argue is the best in America. That's a tease.
0: We'll mm. get to
1: that later in this episode. But I, I'm inclined to say that it would be him. Um, but again, we do have more of a toss-up for this race in the first week of January than we do have in most seasons. It's it's not as clear as it's been in years past. But you know, maybe the next, you know, week or two is gonna bring much more clarity to that than we've seen in the past month.
0: And if it does end up being Vernon Carey, that'll obviously back be back to back national players of the year for the Duke Blue Devils. Zion Williamson last season could be Vernon Carey this season. Back to Michigan State. Cash cash Winston, so you know, you take the thirty two and nine from today You put it with what he's been doing recently. He's averaging now 23.8 points and seven assists in Michigan State's past four games, all wins, shooting 52.4 percent from three in those games. So if you just look at his season statistics, his points are down, his assists are down, field goal percentage down, three-point percentage down. Um, he got off to a rocky start, just like his team got off to a rocky start, and we don't have to spend any time on it, really. But obviously, he had a personal tragedy that um, you would assume—you don't even have to assume—he'll tell you. It took an emotional toll on him, and um, just and in that respect, it was really nice. Not only to see him play well, but he's having a blast on the court today, smiling a lot, looked happy, yeah. and that's a young man who um, hasn't been happy um, every uh, every day. Um, in 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 recent weeks, because of of the tragedy his family endured, uh, so if you look at his season stats, they're not um, they're not on par with what he did last season. But he is starting to um, look like the guy who was a, a, a very obvious and worthy preseason national player of the year. In this particular game, Michigan State shot 52.8 percent from the field, 46.7 percent from three, and that's a Michigan team that entered with an adjusted uh, defensive efficiency rating. In the top 30, and Michigan State just ripped them apart really from start to finish. And now, uh, with the updated numbers, Michigan State's adjusted offensive efficiency rating now ranks number one nationally. So, when we think of Tom Izzo coach teams, like the, the words people usually associate with those teams are toughness, defense. And yet, um, right now, what Tom is coaching is the best offensive team in America.
1: Yeah, and it's been that way. It's been trending that way for a few years, thanks to Densa Valentine, Cassius Winston. The identity of the program has definitely been shifted, and uh, that kind of stuff can also help you win on the recruiting trail. Michigan was sliding heading into this. Um, When we talked about it on HQ prior to the game, the line was actually 9. We both thought Michigan would cover the 9, But just, you know, for the record, on the Friday podcast, the projection was Michigan State minus seven. I did take Michigan State there. Um, So you had Michigan. I had Michigan State there. I went four and one. You uh, did you go oh and five? No, I got something. What did you get? I don't think you did. I think I got West Virginia right. No, you had Kansas minus 10. I had West Virginia. No, we both had West Virginia. I have you down here. Okay. okay, going to need go an aud- going to need an audit. <laughs> you can go back and check. Going to need a listener. I'm not going back and checking. I'm going to request a listener audit to Friday's podcast because no, you pick Kansas. Remember, I sp- I, I actually remember this now. I specifically told you to go with your heart. You said you didn't have a heart. You wanted to ch- you wanted to chase me, and that's why you took Kansas instead of West Virginia because you wanted to take them. You didn't. So with that, seventeen twenty-seven and one for the season for Parrish. <laughs> I am now at twenty-four twenty and one after a four-and-one week. We both—the only one we both lost—we uh, both had Utah State covering. Uh, we'll get to San Diego State in a minute there. But anyway, uh, Michigan was sliding. Heading into this, continued that, now 3-4 and four in its past 7, um, whereas in the first 7 games of the season, it was shooting you know, 53% from the field, 42.5% from 3-point range. Now it's just down into the lower 30s from 3, struggling to get at a 45% range overall from the field. Um, so just you know, bumpiness for Michigan, um, greatness for Michigan State, and I'll just... My lingering thought from the game, aside from Winston being awesome, Michigan State you know, playing like a top five team in college basketball and all that—that um, that was good stuff, and it was a fun little Sunday afternoon game. If you're Michigan, you just you gotta avoid hitting a, a big skid here because you were at one seven and zero. Now you're ten and four. You're one and two in the league. Next up is a Purdue team. I don't know how good Purdue is. The metrics still still love it as a top fifteen style team. Got to beat that. Got to beat that team because if you don't, you're at Minnesota. You're at Iowa. Then you host Penn State, which is good. Even hosting Illinois is no gimme. So. You want to avoid any kind of situation where you look up near the end of the month and you still are stuck at like two league wins. That would be problematic for Michigan and turn them into a story that was one of the surprises in the early season to them, one of the more vexing potential bubble cases. So keep an eye on the Wolverines because they're going to have quite the interesting January ahead.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously missing Isaiah Livers hurts. Yes. Uh, he missed his second straight game. He's the second leading scorer, 6-7 wing, who shoots 50% from three. And so Michigan was not good from beyond the arc. Livers helps that. Michigan was not good on the defensive end of the court. Livers helps that. So getting him back um, whenever they get him back. And my understanding is that he has been doing some really light stuff. But I know they never officially ruled him out, or at least I don't believe they ever officially ruled him out of this game. But on Friday, the other Michigan players, when meeting with the media, were talking like, there's no chance he plays. Like, he's not playing. It wasn't even a thing in their mind because they had not seen him practice at all. So who knows when he'll be back. Those growing injuries can be um, tricky, but they they need him to get back. The truth is, I I don't think Michigan's as good as they looked in that 7-0 start I don't think they're as average as they've looked in these past seven games where they've gone three and four, as is usually the case. Um, the truth is, is probably somewhere in the middle. But like you said, uh, you, you don't want to go on a little slide here because you've got Purdue at home. That's winnable, also losable. Then you're at, at Minnesota. Ohio State lost there. You're at Iowa. That's a ranked team. Penn State Looks really good. You get them at home. So these next four, you know, they're they're all winnable and all losable. And so Jawan Howard's going to learn a lot about his team um, over the next couple of weeks. Let's move on. The nation's only two unbeaten teams were on the road this weekend against quality opponents. Both won comfortably. Impressive stuff from San Diego State and Auburn. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the nation's only two un- unbeaten teams were both on the road this weekend against quality opponents. Auburn won at Mississippi State, eighty sixty eight. 68 San Diego State won at Utah State, 77-68. So the Tigers are now 13-0. and Aztecs are 15-0. and Neither team has beaten a top-20 Ken team yet. So if you want to be skeptical of these records, um, that's where you start your argument. But Norlander, I, I think at this point I'm a believer. Um I have Auburn and San Diego State in the top six of the top 25 and one right now. Which one do you believe in more, Auburn or or SDSU?
1: SDSU, I believe in more at the moment. I have them both. I had them both in my most recent power ranking update in the top four. Um, San Diego State has four quad one victories uh, as we sit here on this Sunday evening parish. Auburn has not played a quad one opponent yet. Now, it has seven quad two wins, which is nice. San Diego State has two. So, you know, if you're going to combine both, and it's still early, the season is going to shift somewhat, somewhat. San Diego State winning at Utah State, highly confident. <laughs> this isn't as far out on the limb as the Wofford prediction, of course. But um, that will remain a quad one victory for the entirety of the season there. But uh, quad one and quad two combined. SDSU is at six total. Auburn is at seven just with none on that heavy top end there. Um, Auburn's faced, an, uh, you know, according to... The net, this isn't Ken Palm's strength of schedule. This is more what would be on the team sheet. Overall strength of schedule at this point, Auburn ranks 19th. San Diego State is 143. Um, If you want a comparison, Kansas, which is in the two spot in the net, uh, per the Nets, SOS is at number one in the country right now uh, with the toughest strength of schedule overall. But... um, big listen nice big wins for both teams with auburn and i had that game on the second screen as things played out on saturday it was you know again a no doubt about it kind of victory um and a reminder that this team is I mean, it really, it's got to be considered top five, top six. It's just because it hasn't had high-profile games, and I don't want to repeat what we said on the Friday podcast, but that's why it hasn't gotten so much shine. I am going to have a piece on Auburn later on the site this week. I'm scheduled to talk to Bruce Pearl on Monday. We'll see what he says, get you some more intel and info on uh, on them overall. But the, uh, the 80-68 win against Mississippi State was just, to me, it was it was one of those wins where I'm glad we're talking about it on the podcast because it's not other than Auburn remains undefeated it's just simply not going to register because Mississippi State is featureless but you get a road win against a league opponent by double digits and it was never in doubt that just is a reminder to me that Auburn very much, very, very much for real and then quickly on San Diego State because I watched almost all of that game late on Saturday night as it goes into Utah State which got Nemius Keta back Um, he's a significant part of what what Utah State can be and is. San Diego State was not at full strength it did not have uh, its big man Joel Mensa he was not available didn't matter Malachi Flynn was awesome I think he was perfect from the foul line with like 10 foul shots had what 22 points Uh, just a terrific little combo guard that he's turned into and on the whole between Flynn uh, Yanni Wetzel who's been who's been a a nice bump up as a sophomore kind of player there they've got a really good balance Matt Mitchell another good three-point threat at this point San Diego State has wins its best wins are against BYU and that came on the road. It beat uh, Iowa on a neutral, Creighton on a neutral, Utah on a neutral, and now Utah State on the road. Um, I believe in it more. I saw – I think you might have written about this, GP, but I didn't read your capsule, so you can get into this here as I volley it. Back to you. I saw Seth Davis. Shouts to Seth. We know you're listening to this while you're doing your workout. Appreciate that, Seth. Uh, Give us a five-star review while you can, please. Can you get on that? Um, I think he said – San Diego State has a, has a really good chance to enter the tournament undefeated. He said on, C- on CBS on Sunday, I'm going to shy away from that. Um, still a lot of road games remaining. This is a really good team, but SDSU is going to take some losses here. But could it enter the NCAA tournament with just two? Sure, and if that was the case, could it be a two seed? Yeah, sure, it could absolutely be the case. So yeah, Aztec's very much for real, and at 15-0, and they technically have the best record in the country because they still got two more wins than Auburn. It is
0: statistically improbable that San Diego State's going to enter the NCAA tournament with a zero in the loss column, but I don't think it's the craziest thing to try to imagine. I mean, if you look at the remaining schedule, they have zero remaining games against top 55 Ken Palm teams, zero remaining road games against top 85 Ken Palm teams. And right now, at this moment, Ken hasn't projected the Aztecs as at least a seven-point favorite in every remaining game. So again, teams that are seven-point favorites and 11-point favorites, and hell, in this season, even 28-point favorites lose all of the time. But they're going to be a sizable favorite in every game going forward, and they look legit to me. I mean, I've watched them multiple times, and then the computer numbers are off the charts, given where they started and where they are right now. They started 97th at Kenpon. They're up to 16th right now. That's an 81-spot jump in a span of 15 games in about two months. And Malachi Flynn is the biggest reason why, averaging 15.9 points, 5.1 assists, shooting 43% from three. He's one of three starters, three of the top five scorers, who didn't play a minute for San Diego State before the start of this season. Mm. The other Yanni Wetzel, kJ Fegan. Wetzel came from Vanderbilt Fegan from Santa Clara. So Brian Dutcher had, you know, he made it a point that he wanted to get older and more experienced. And they're older. They're more experienced. And I do think they're one of the very best basketball teams in this country,
1: yeah, they're number one in the net. and they've been they've held that not every single day for about two, two and a half weeks. Uh, but just about every single day, they've been kind of vying with Kansas. It's been a, kind of a back and forth there. Um, obviously, if the tournament started today, they'd be a one seed. They can. St- I think if they get, if they only take one loss heading into, I think they're going to be a one seed. I mean, if they if they can be a one loss team, no matter when and where that loss happens, whether it's Wednesday night at Wyoming and never again, or it's the Mountain West Championship game, um, I think one seed is in their uh, is in their future. But they are going to lose. I just. It's more likely than not they're going to take losses. Uh, the Kempon projections as they finish 16-2 uh, and two in the league, that sounds about right to me. Even though each individual game they are projected to win, uh, there's a difference from the micro-projection, obviously, to the macro-projection, um, as any statistician uh, will tell you. They got Fresno State on the road on January 14th. That seems a little bit vulnerable there, and I I still even put past teams like New Mexico, Utah State in the return game um, and the start of February. So we'll wait and see. But hey, this is a fun little story here. You know, we t- t- talk about how weak the sport is at the top and all that. I get all that, but we are now going to get into the second week of the of the new year here with two undefeated teams in two different conferences. Um, they aren't the teams that we would have expected in Auburn and San Diego State, but they're there nonetheless and are setting themselves up well um, to get really strong seeds just a couple of months from now. And they both they, uh, they, the biggest thing here is they both seem for real. I understand that Auburn has not played the top. I get that, and they're going to take some losses. I understand all that, but I still think that Auburn is a legitimate top 10, top 15 team in America, despite the fact that the top of its schedule hasn't nearly matched what a lot of the other one and 2 loss teams have.
0: Yeah, as you correctly point out, they haven't even had a quad one opportunity yet. They have not played a currently ranked team, and they won't play a currently ranked team until they host Kentucky on February 1st. Still, they're top 25 in both offense and defensive efficiency. They're shooting 57% from inside the arc, and they're doing this despite losing the top three scores from last season's Final Four team. So we talked about National Player of the Year stuff earlier. If we were doing National Coach of the Year stuff right now... Uh, Bruce Pearl And Brian Dutcher would both have to be On, on anybody's list of Five or, or ten Maybe yeah. even if you just made a two person list They'd have to be I'll on look
1: at, it let me, give you, let me give you my five off the top of my head right now Okay, Dutcher, Pearl Laval Jordan at Butler would be three
0: He, he, he sure would be on it Yes
1: um, You know who my other two would be right now? I'd have Anthony Grant at Dayton Right now, 13-2 and two, And I'd have Greg Marshall at Wichita State Shockers are 13 and one, and Memphis, which took a loss. I know you were uh, you were in transit, so I don't even know how much. Of the, we don't have to get into the game, but they, I, I saw it. I watched. All right. I so Memphis, Memphis took a three-point loss to Georgia. Um and you know, whatever. Good on good on Tom Green to get that when they actually need that. Talk about teams that like we talk about Michigan avoiding the slide. Georgia's schedule upcoming is a nightmare. So they got it was good for Georgia to get the win because it's gotta try and steady itself and not just completely get thrown under the water there in SEC play. Uh point I'm making here is that Memphis, you know, rightfully considered the favorite heading into American Athletic Conference play, and I get all that, but Houston's good and wichita state's really really good and they're young like they got five freshmen five sophomores on that roster so top five i would definitely at this stage with wichita state being 13 and one and well outpacing what people expected it to be only lost against west virginia which was able to play kansas tight although lose i'd have marshall in the mix there
0: um greg marshall should be on the list leonard hamilton's another option doing terrific stuff with florida state they uh um, got a big win this weekend. Went to the Yum Center and and beat Louisville. So there's some 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 obviously guys doing great jobs this season. But the two guys coaching the undefeated teams by definition are two of them. If only because you know Auburn and San Diego State. It'd be one thing if Duke were undefeated right now, or if Michigan State were undefeated right now. People would say, well, of course they were like yeah. one and two and three or whatever in the country. San Diego State was unranked to the preseason. Auburn was ranked, but like not preseason top ten. So for us to be you know sitting here in january and the only two undefeateds are auburn and san diego state that's uh, uh th- that's impressive stuff um and with wichita state just to circle back there they're young but they're so much more experienced than they were last year they're at least they're relying more heavily on experienced players even if the experienced players are only sophomores they just got a year older and i remember talking to greg marshall in the offseason, and the truth is like last season he just got caught with a he was relying on too many first-year players, and he he knew what he was – I don't – listen, I guess he, when you're as good as he's been for as long as he's been, you always assume, like, I'll figure this out. And they did ultimately figure it out. Like, about second half of last season, they got pretty good. They just did so much damage to the resume early that they couldn't get to the NCAA tournament. But this season has kind of just picked off where that season left off in yeah. Wichita State. You know, I've got him in the top 25 and one shocker fans will tell you I should have him higher and perhaps that's a, a fair point, but they'll have a chance to get a big win um, this week because on Thursday they do host that Memphis team that lost to Georgia over the weekend. Uh, that game will be in Wichita and Memphis just to, you know, put an asterisk beside it, not necessarily an asterisk, but a note, DJ Jeffries did not play in the game. Right. He had flu-like symptoms. He, he's a very important player. He creates a lot of stuff in that offense. He's their second leading scorer, so you know, suddenly you're Penny Hardaway having to play a game without James Wiseman and DJ Jeffries. Now you're never getting Wiseman back, so there's no sense in talking about that. You know, every episode, but DJ Jeffries will be back, and when Memphis has him, um, that's a that's a different basketball team.
1: Uh, definitely agree. Well, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big one upcoming uh, this weekend. And then uh, just as a reminder with Auburn, uh, just to to put a bow on it here, got the win over Mississippi state and its next game is at home against Vanderbilt. I mean, that's just a, a nearly automatic W and then we'll play at home against Georgia. So Auburn is set up to continue to rise and stay, uh, stay, you know, where, where it is in the metrics and the net in the net rankings and the polls and all that good stuff. It just, you know, Road game against Alabama on January 15th is is the first slippery point.
0: So Gonzaga's number one in the AP poll, coaches poll, my top 25-1, and and Norlander's power rankings right now. But Norlander and I were on CBS Sports HQ this morning, and he was trying to make a case for the Duke Blue Devils to be number one. Explain
1: yourself, dead-led (laughs)
0: Norlander.
1: The leg is getting better by the day. Shouts to my herniated disc, by the way. That's officially what has been uh, the cause of this. But stretching and core work means everything. The leg is alive. I'm actually, I'm sitting up doing this podcast with you, which hasn't been true of like the last eight podcasts. I'm actually, I'm, I'm not supine, which is a, which is a benefit here. Okay, so here's my thing with Duke, because we got a, we got an interesting little, uh, little chase here for who's the best team in the country. Is it Gonzaga? Is it Duke? Is it Kansas? Sparty fans, I hear you, but we got to see a little bit more here. Um, I think it's Duke, and there's a couple reasons why. First of all, Duke took the loss to Stephen F. Austin. They took the loss. I'm I'm aware that this actually happened, but if and it was a buzzer-beater loss in overtime on a freak play, and just one of the awesome all-time moments of this season and any recent season. If Duke had not lost that game, and even if they had won it 85-83 instead of losing it 85-83, Duke would be, right now, the odds-on favorite is Kansas to win the title. That would not be the case. Duke would be 14-0. They would be regarded as the overwhelming favorite to win the 2020 national championship they would have held the number one ranking in the AP top 25 for more than six weeks at this point because it was uh Duke was number one at the time that it took the loss to Stephen F Austin and obviously has not been able to reclaim that number one ranking so it would have held it all then and the discussion around college basketball would have been so much different because if you have a Duke team that's undefeated while everyone else keeps keeps taking these losses underneath them um I think we would be talking about Duke in terms of how far it has separated itself from the rest of the sport. But because it has the one loss to Stephen F. Austin, we have lumped Duke into the rest of the group. I had In the preseason, I had my suspicions about Duke. I didn't think it would be a top-ten team in college basketball. Even as recently as two weeks ago, I didn't think that Duke was necessarily a top one or two team in the sport. I have flipped on this. It's number three in defensive efficiency, it's number five in offensive efficiency. I thought Miami on its home floor, a capable team on the offensive side, would be able to keep it close and lose by single digits. Uh uh-uh. uh. Duke went in and absolutely steamrolled over the weekend, 95 to 62 to improve to 13 and 1. Vernon Carey Jr., who we mentioned previously, was 11 of 14 from the field, had 24 points, was. Completely awesome again. Cass, Cassius Stanley was also great. And here's the thing. I'm now seeing Duke be awesome. Against, granted, I know Miami's not going to be a tournament team. I get all that. But I'm not seeing Duke uh, be awesome and need Trey Jones to be the absolute man. No, that's not the case. Against Miami, Carey was good. Stanley was good. Hurt was valuable. Trey Jones did his thing. But he was he was probably the fourth most important player in that game overall. And Stephen F. Austin, the loss it does have. Do people realize SFA is 13-2? and Its loss came to Rutgers right before the Duke game, and then lost at Alabama. But otherwise, it's won all of its other games. And against lower competition, I grant you that, still, you don't have teams that are rated in the hundreds at Ken Palm GP, romping teams with regularity by north of 15, 20 points. SFA's a really, really good team. To me right now, Duke is... Clearly, the best team in college basketball. It's adjusted efficiency at Kempom just cracked the 30 threshold this weekend. The next closest is Kansas at 27.41. That's a significant gap considering Kansas to Michigan State isn't nearly that big. Michigan to Ohio State, Ohio State to Butler, Butler, Louisville, and so on and so forth. So, to me, Duke is the best team in the sport right now. Clearly, no doubt about it. I think what you have done with your rankings i don't disagree with them because it's not the same exact thing you're not taking a snapshot of duke on january 5th and saying this is the best team in college basketball what you are doing is a function of saying gonzaga has not lost it has continued to win and continued to win and continued to win and given the overall scope of its resume and how it's played i'm not going to bump him down i don't have an issue with that overall but i will note that if i did if you know if i had an ap top 25 ballot I would put Duke number one, particularly because Gonzaga got a scare should have never gotten on Saturday night against Pepperdine. That game was in doubt with 90 seconds to go. And it pulled away on the road from Portland late. But even that, they didn't look as sharp as it uh, possibly should have been. So that's, we're kind of, you know, splitting hairs here. But I would go Duke one, Zags two, Kansas three, if I was organizing right now the best teams in the sport.
0: And right now I have Gonzaga one, Kansas two, Duke three. Here's what I would say. I think those three teams should be the top three on everybody's ballot. I mean, unless you just want to say San Diego State's undefeated, I'm putting them in the top three, or yeah. Auburn's undefeated, I'm putting them in the top three. Unless you're just, like, really impressed by the zero and the loss column, um, the Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga should be one, two, three in some order on every ballot. And here's what I'll also say. Any order is reasonable. Do you agree with that? Any order is yeah, reasonable? Any
1: order is reasonable, particularly, like, if you watched real quick. Particularly as like, when Kansas beat West Virginia – Y- Yudoka Asabuki looked like a first-team All-American in that game. He had, he had six swats, was terrific. D- Dotson was setting him up well. Ochai Abaji played well. Um, you know, they even had characters who haven't been playing well, playing well. So, yes, even Kansas, in its win over the weekend, displayed, again, why it should be in that conversation.
0: So, um, you know, to underline the point you made about Stephen F. Austin, you know, they were 28-point underdogs when they go to Cameron Indoor. They were 264th at Kenpah. So you're like, oh, my God, this is the worst loss in the history of Duke basketball. And it might end up being something like that. I don't know. But you know, Stephen F. Austin is now 118th at Ken Palm. They have moved up nearly 150 spots since tip-off of that Duke game. So that loss doesn't look – still a bad loss. Not nearly as bad as it looked on the night that it happened. Um, when you're talking about Duke-Kansas-Gonzaga, Duke is the – of those three, the closest to actually being undefeated because Kansas has two losses. Now, it's two losses to two good teams um, by a combined three points, Duke and Villanova, Yeah, but it's still two losses. And Gonzaga's one loss is a pretty lopsided loss on a neutral court to Michigan, whereas Duke's loss is an overtime loss to Stephen F. Austin. If Trey Jones scores on that final possession as opposed to turns it over on that final possession, Duke is sitting here, like you said, 14-0, and probably the unanimous number
1: one. The scope of the season is completely different, Parish. We, we both acknowledge that. Whether that's fair or not, if Duke is 14-0 undefeated and has been holding the number one ranking for five, six, seven weeks, uh, we, we'd be talking about how amazing it is that Duke is so far and away the title favorite, better than everyone else in the sport after losing Zion. That is what we would be discussing.
0: Right. So Duke is the closest of these three teams to, being, to still being undefeated, um, but it also has the worst loss. If that makes sense, by a significant margin. Yeah, it's a home loss to Stephen F. Austin. Kansas, meantime, it's the of these three the only one with multiple losses. But like I said, Duke and Villanova losses away from home by a combined three points, and Kansas has five quadrant one wins and five top fifty Ken Palm wins. They've got victories over Dayton, West Virginia, Colorado, BYU, and Stanford. So when the Duke fan literally every morning asks me why <laughs> I have Kansas in front of Duke even though Duke beat Kansas on a neutral court, my answer is always that Stephen F. Austin Austin loss is way worse than anything Kansas has done, and Kansas has better wins than Duke, even though Duke has a win over Kansas. I recognize, like I've already said, it's totally reasonable if somebody else wants to have Duke in front of Kansas. My only point of contention is that it is also reasonable to have Kansas in front of Duke. Trust me, when I write the politics column on Monday... It will have nothing to do with anybody who might have Duke, Kansas, or Gonzaga number one or number two or number three in any order.
1: Yeah, and just uh, as a refresher to listeners, as you listen to this in your cars, on the subway, working out however you listen, wherever you listen, um, on Sunday night, these are the top seven in the net rankings. San Diego State, then Kansas, then Butler, which is the only team – with five wins alongside of Kansas in the quad one realm. Kansas is five and two in that mark. Butler is five and one. Duke is four. Baylor, can't forget about those Bears, man. They deserve a one seed right now in any bracketology forecast. They're fifth. Auburn is six. And then Gonzaga uh, is down there at seven with a sixteen and one overall mark against D one competition and three quad one wins.
0: Um so you update your power rankings later this week.
1: Yeah. You'll have Duke number one. I you'll will. Just
0: remove, you'll just remove Gonzaga, even though they've done nothing but one. That's
1: correct because I also judge uh, based off of how you play. And Gonzaga, it's got no, you know, it just if if it was dominating and romping, I'd have him one. But no, I will have I will have Duke. I will have Duke number one in the power rankings, barring they. Hold on, who does Duke have? Duke's got a game before then. They got to they got to win at Georgia. They got to win at Georgia Tech on Wednesday. That's no gimme because Georgia Tech. Just as a quick aside, Georgia Tech won. Ninety-six, eighty-three at North Carolina. Car- it was the Carolina trailed by twenty at the half, and it was the greatest halftime deficit for Carolina in the thirty-four year history of the Dean Dome. Jeez. They were down twenty-eight to four, I believe, at one point to Georgia Tech. Jesus is it is absolutely right. And then we've talked about Carolina as well, so we don't need to make a whole other segment of this. But I will say that Roy Williams, after the game, I don't know if you saw the presser or not, but he was as dejected and as despondent about himself and his team as he's ever been, rightfully so. Carolina's not even close to the NIT conversation. So that's, yeah, Georgia Tech, 7-7. Seven and seven. That's who Duke has next. So barring a, barring a loss there, they'll be number one. But, um, yeah, just a weird, weird situation going on in Chapel Hill. They're just They're completely directionless
0: it's wild to think that North Carolina could get run at home and it's not even that big of a story because they're unranked and not very good.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And now Carolina, by the way, yes. And now the story, they got to play pit at home on Wednesday and then Clemson, who's not even that good, but Clemson comes into the building next weekend, and that's you know that's one of those things. Clemson's never won at Chapel Hill, so it's like if this is going to be the year of all years, that, maybe we should make that in the final four and one just for uh, for kicks there. But uh, you're right, normally uh, only because it was uh, Tech scored 20 of the first 32 points, and then Roy was as bad as he was after the game, just in terms of uh, being down on himself and the team. Is it a minor story? But man, oh man, yeah, they are. Uh, they are, they are just out of sorts, and uh, we are having a year here in which UCLA and Carolina, two of the traditional six, if you want to include Indiana, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, um, two of the six traditional Blue Bloods are down and going to miss the NCAA tournament. We obviously don't get that in most seasons.
0: And I don't know if we consider Syracuse a Blue Blood, but it is a basketball power coached by a Hall of Famer, and they're sitting here at 8-6 and six coming off a loss to Notre Dame at home.
1: Yes, and, and Connecticut... Uh, can't get its act together. Connecticut lost to South Florida. Now South Florida was initially expected to be good at the start of the season, and just hasn't been. But Connecticut um, is off to an 0-2 start in the American and lost by 15 at South Florida. And you know that's a that's a modern age blue blood, if you will. And even it took a bad loss there. So yeah, we do have a number of programs here who, when casual people talk about like the teams that they'll get excited to see on, in you know in March on their televisions, like a Syracuse, a UConn, a UCLA, a Carolina, just, just Big power brands like that, yes, there are a number of them that are indeed down this season.
0: So this is the Sunday podcast, and that means we close it with a uh, special listener review that has been posted over at Apple Podcasts. Like I've told you in the past, as a way, in the spirit of full transparency, to encourage people to go rate the podcast five stars and... Um, And leave nice reviews we're gonna pull one every sunday night episode and i'll read it uh, uh, Read it on the episode and then you get a shout out right beside larnell and and devin downey and chester So this one and i read them all i tell you we can't do a million of them because it'll seem uh, it'll seem A little ridiculous, but I do read every one of them and they're nice and they're funny and i enjoy them So please if you've done that know that i appreciate it if you haven't done that um, please go do it when you get a second. This uh, review comes from Price Atkinson. Price is somebody I actually recognize from Twitter. So um, it was nice to see his name there. Here's what he wrote. He said, this holiday season, I am forever thankful for this podcast. GP and Norlander for providing weekly entertainment, but most importantly, the last two years helping make my suffering a touch less painful while getting me through the Disney World Half Marathon, the sweltering Peachtree Road Race on 4th of July, and the Atlanta 10-Miler. Those miles were horrible, but you guys helped make the races at least tolerable. That's from Price. So we have helped him. He is running, competing, competing and doing it while listening to the eye on college basketball. I,
1: I appreciate I, price, I a couple of things here. I appreciate that too. I did get a few notes that people, uh, I don't have the handle in front of me, but a couple of people in particular were saying, I'm trying to work out at the gym and I can't stop laughing and getting this done because <laughs> we're talking about two-year-old Tony Hinkle.
0: <laughs> two-year-old Tony Hinkle.
1: Two-year-old Tony Hinkle, who I was informed by another listener uh, helped or was the uh, the brains behind making the basketball orange, among many other things. He also – th- listen, this is not a trivia time. This could be completely erroneous, but I feel like someone else also told me that Tony Hinkle once coached a football game and beat Notre Dame. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I guess that happened. I don't know. But listen, I, another listener, I got your back. I knew you were going to do this, and that's fine because we want the Apple Pods review. Y- you got to give a shout-out to – and I, I hope I'm going to pronounce your last name correctly here, but Meredith Turrets, who sent us a note – I think last Monday on Twitter, this wonderful woman, here's what she said on Twitter. Here's my five-star review with nice comments. I listened to the Ion College Basketball podcast literally while I was in labor on Christmas Day. Listener of the year. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to judge your life choices. I'm, I'm humbled, if not uh, a little bit awkward feeling at the fact that as you were going through that process, which Paris and I have both Experienced in a completely different way as our as we've been with our wives as they've gone through uh, labors um, the, I, I'm trying to picture my wife listening to a podcast as she was as she was trying to deliver our first or second born and it is an amazing visual Meredith thank you so so much uh, that is really like that is big 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 time stuff and we appreciate it for all of you who listen in the various ways that you do it is so so appreciated but someone literally leaving uh, a review on Twitter. I, apparently she's a Google Pods listener. So for everyone that does the podcast on Google Pods, shouts to you. I don't think that there's a portal for Google Podcasts to leave reviews and written comments, but we hear you. We know these you know, people are very, you know, entrenched in the way that they want to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you Meredith while having while having your child us in your ears talking about God knows what. I mean, that's just after the fact. I can't even believe it. But I did want to give her a quick shout, too, because I, 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 can I make this promise on behalf of both of us? If anyone is going to leave a review and talk about their experience of going through labor as we are talking to them, then you're going to get a shout-out. That has to happen.
0: I, uh, I asked her just because I felt like I should if she named the child Larnell. She did not okay. name the child Larnell, so that was slightly disappointing, but still awesome that she would be listening to us in... Um. What is a a, a life changing moment? Like my wife won't even listen to me in real life. Yeah, during exactly. labor or you know, on most days. And the idea that somebody else is out there listening to us um, via podcast is uh, especially especially impressive. Back to Tony Hinkle, by the way. Some t- jerk. <laughs> some jerk left us a three star review. At no. A podcast.
1: Yes. Because yes. we messed up Tony Hinkle. Because we weren't properly educated on Tony Hinkle unacceptable don't mention that that person's name okay if you don't if you don't get the podcast and you're gonna leave a three-star because of tony hinkle take a little walk okay that's all i gotta say (laughs) he said he said seriously question mark he said i love you guys um,
0: the Parisian should are the best for info on what's going on in college basketball. That said, the fact that both of them seem to have just discovered who, who Henry, I, Hank Iba, and Tony Hinko are leaves me with only one thing to say, ignorance. Love you guys, <laughs> um, but learn some hoops history. By the way, I'm very familiar with Henry Iba. I'm the one that uh, <laughs> uh, came up with the Henry Iba uh, trivia time. Gallagher Iba Arena. I've set foot in Gallagher. I've watched a game in Gallagher Iba Arena. So you can, you, but I'll I will I will plead guilty to this. I had no proper understanding of Tony Hinkle's place in this world.
1: Uh, I and I'll I'll readily admit this. My brain went to a place more times this weekend than I'd like to than I'd like to admit or be publicly comfortable with. Literally envisioning a 2-year-old Tony Hinkle in a suit on the sidelines coaching the Colorado Buffaloes in 1901
0: in a suit on the sidelines b- coaching the buffaloes but also with a binky <laughs> yeah with, little little
1: <laughs> buffalo logo on the little binky yeah, there yeah, yeah exactly a little, a
0: little buffalo logo binky Tony, uh, two-year-old Tony Hinkle, coaching Colorado. What league would they have been back in? Been, been there. In there the were 19- no leagues.
1: One? I think maybe. The, actually, I think the Big Ten might. Some Big Ten historian is going to come into our podcast <laughs> reviews, call us ignorant, saying, "How do you not know the Big Ten existed in 1901?" <laughs> that literally might be the only league that was around back then. But otherwise, yeah, everyone was, everyone was independent. But. Uh, <laughs> Shush to Tony know. Hinkle and the legend of, of Tony Hinkle and all his surviving relatives. And, uh, and Butler, I'm going to give you – Butler fans, I'm going to give you some love on the site this week as well. So more, more goodness to come there.
0: So um, we have reached the point in the calendar where I now fly to New York every Monday. And that means I'll be in studio on Tuesday night and Wednesday night for CBS Sports Network. And Tuesday night's game, we got a doubleheader. It's going to be Houston at Temple and then Loyola Chicago at Drake. And so that first game is especially um, interesting because Houston is is good. Again, they lost big pieces from last season's team, but they're 11-3, and number 27 at Ken Palm, five-game winning streak, zero sub-50 losses on the resume. They own a win over Washington. So Kelvin Sampson's got another uh, good team. So you're going to want to tune into that on CBS Sports Network. I'll be in studio. Um, we'll be doing halftimes in between games. And then we've got a, a late edition of Inside College Basketball, um, where we'll wrap up the entire night because uh, Tuesday night does have a, a pretty good college basketball schedule. So make sure to check us out on uh, CBS Sports Network. And this also means we've reached the point in the season where Wednesdays, quote the mid season midweek podcast, will either be recorded in the middle of the night, <laughs> late Tuesday after I get back to my hotel and out of studio, or Wednesday at some point when I actually wake up. Yeah.
1: So we'll have it for you. It's just, it literally will depend on the flow of the night, whether I can stay up that late or not. And uh, But we got, it. we got you covered. Three pods a week no matter what. It's all good either way. But um, all right, GP, I'm going to let you go. We did this one a little bit early, you know, so you can watch your freaking Golden Globes. Ricky Gervais, like you're psyched for Ricky Gervais like it's 2014, man. Like,
0: come on. Dude, he, he is funny hosting this thing. Have you ever watched him host these I, things? I, I have, I have. It's, okay, it's, it's, go, it's, go just type in YouTube, like Ricky Gervais Golden Globes, and it's just like a cut-up, spliced-up of him just roasting people. He, like, he actually, like, says
1: uncomfortable things right to people's faces. I know. He's, he's uh, somewhat uniquely wired that way. But I didn't even know the goal until you until you texted me and asked me, listen, man, you want to get this done just a little bit early so we can watch the Golden Globes? I thought, there's no way the Golden Globes are already like this this weekend, but damn if you aren't correct, they are. And I don't even know who's who's nominated. I'm behind on all these movies, these shows. I, you know, I, just, I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> hopefully, 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 this will be worth it because we do have, by the way, we were, you know. We got uh, what you know, Washington USC late. We got some, we got some, some crazy matchups happening. Like Purdue at Illinois. What if, what if Illinois wins at the buzzer? How are you gonna feel about that then? I'm not gonna feel at <laughs> all. I have no feelings whatsoever. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, um, it won't like it won't. <laughs> it,
0: It's funny. Like you, you get these tweets from from readers or listeners or fans of certain teams sometimes, and. And you're just like, I can't even understand how somebody thinks this way about like or, or thinks this much about me, like their favorite team will win a game. I don't even know who I like. I get these so often. I can't even think of one. But I know I got one like to yesterday during the day and it'll be like um, Wichita State won again. It's going to kill you to rank the Shockers, isn't it, Parish? And I'm like, why? Why would it kill me to rank the Shockers? Like, what do you like? What what, do you really think? I'm stressed out (laughs) about Wichita's about having to put a number next to Wichita State's name. Like, what are what are you talking about? And you get that from like like there's there's at least one fan in every fan base who is so fired up because they think you care about their team, good or bad, as much as they care about what you think of their team.
1: It is, it is bizarre. That's just it's <laughs> outlandish. It's not true of anyone with you except, of course, with Marquette. We all know. You hate Marquette. So. <laughs> no, I, I'm, uh, I'm
0: actually on the Marquette-Seton Hall game this weekend. Sideline duty. There you go. So check this out. You, 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 you travel time with Gary. So I flew to New York last Tuesday. I was there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Flew home yesterday. My wife and I got home late last night. Fly back to New York on Monday, tomorrow. I'll be in studio Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll fly back home Thursday. And then on Friday, I'll fly right back to Newark to be on Seton Hall Marquette on Saturday. Then on Sunday, I'll fly back home. And then I'll wake up Monday and fly right back to New York <laughs> to be in studio for CBS Sports Network. I'm spending like three days at home over the next several
1: weeks. That's. I hope you're able to accumulate... Are you able... You got to be able to accumulate the miles for your personal... Like, Dude, you, you yes. get the miles, right? Yes, I get the miles. How are you not... How are you not just... You know what? I want you, in like the second week of May, to be like, peace out, I'm going to Japan for two and a half weeks. Because you can fly round trip easily on miles alone from, from one season of work, let alone what you've accumulated. I
0: rarely pay for a vacation now because I have so many miles and I have so many hotel points. Like, right now... Even after using several thousand, um, so like several hundred thousand points on vacation and stuff, I still, like, right now still have, like, 700,000 Marriott points.
1: I'm rich, like, I could just,
0: I could, oh, Okay. Good stuff, bud. Like, if my wife, get, like, kicked me out tomorrow, I'd just, like, live at Courtyard by Marriott for the rest of my life. Okay.
1: <laughs> you would not. <laughs> I know you. You'd be out of your mind within a month.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. You get all the points and you get all the miles. And so that's like people are always like, oh, man, I don't see how you fly that much. The truth is my flights are direct Memphis to LaGuardia, LaGuardia to Memphis. They're never filled. And I always get bumped up because there's not that many people making that flight. My worst fear in life is that Delta will cancel those flights someday (laughs) and just say there's not enough people on these flights. Why do we have them? You have them for me. So I don't even mind flying. Like, I get on a plane, I'm in first class, I'm having drinks and ranking basketball teams. It's like perfectly okay hate, with you me. You hate, rank, uh,
1: you hate ranking Wichita State when you got to do it.
0: Yeah, I bet it's going to kill you, Parrish. <laughs> yes, ranking, putting a number beside Wichita State's name is going to, to kill me. And then you'll get the ones, well, good thing I don't care what you think. Well, the best way to tell the best way to show me you don't care what I think is to tweet at me angrily. <laughs> You you weirdo. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Price Atkinson. And please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. And we will talk to you again. It'll be on Wednesday. It'll either be shortly after midnight on Wednesday or at some point Wednesday morning. But we're going to talk to you again Wednesday. Till then, take care.